Hello everyone, welcome to episode 18 for Tennis with an Accent and I have Anand with me which is a rarity these days. Hey everyone, good to be back. Yeah, it looks like we haven't spoken, uh, at least on this medium, in a, in a very long time. We have had some really good interviews so I didn't want to come in the way. Alright, so there were no differences but just like the content, right? <laughs> okay, so what do you have in mind? Uh, what do you want to discuss today? Well, there's a lot going on in the tour but this is a perfect time I think for a flashback, Sakib. What do you think? Uh, flashback as in any particular era or just uh... Uh, let's go back to our favorite era which is uh, the time of uh, Lendl Becker Redberg uh, let's talk about some some of the stuff that happened back then and maybe we can uh, we can trade some barbs all right so you're referring to the silly fruitless exercise of who's better and that kind of stuff yeah why not sure there's, there's been some criticism you know this podcast is becoming a little too polished so let's uh, introduce some silliness and uh, some fan fan worship today all right let's go What what comparison are you in mood for? You want to do Agassi Lendl or something you have in mind? Hmm. So Agassi Lendl is an interesting one in terms of comparing their careers. Um, how about we do Beckett and Edberg? I think we'll settle this debate once for all with a lot of people I know fall in one camp or the other. All right, this um, is a fixed debate because we both are diehard Becker fans. So whoever's <laughs> going to go for Edberg is first alienating his nationality. You know what, Sagib? <laughs> Obviously, Becker is my favorite player. Uh, but having said that, I, I think there's a legitimate case to be made for Edberg. So I'm going to take Edberg's side. All right, thank you for doing this favor because this is settled. I would not speak for Edberg even, you know, uh, under the influence. Even though you think he's actually the better player, right? You can make a case. A lot of people have made the case. So I'll give you a fair shot at it. Go for it. I mean, I mean, I like Edberg as a coach. It's no secret. But Edberg, the player, still brings some... Uh, very unpleasant memories. So um, I'm going to talk about Edberg first and then Sakib, maybe you can kind of lay your case for why Becker you think is a better player. But even before we get there, let me just give you a preview of what Edberg achieved, right? Multiple Grand Slam winner in three different slams. Uh, so he won two Australians, two Wimbledons, two US Opens, twice he was ranked number one at the end of the year and we know how hard that is. That, that really reflects upon a level of achievement not many people have uh, uh, achieved in tennis. And then he's also got that French Open final uh, against Michael Chang. He was pretty close to winning that one too, I would say. Um, so here's a guy who's an all-round guy, world number one. Um, and, and he played around the same exact time as Boris Becker. Uh, if you look at their year-end rankings... The two of them had very very similar trajectories in their career. Uh, Becker lasted a little longer at the tail end, uh, but Edberg definitely, I think, has a very accomplished uh, career, and I, I would argue actually a better career than Becker, but I'll, I'll let you go with Becker first. All right, fair enough. I mean, I expected uh, this is uh, the argument always for Stefan Edberg, and a lot of people uh, just can Google this up and who haven't watched these guys go in action in their prime. It's easy to make a case for Edberg, but I'll tell you why it's the other way. First of all, you ask who's a better player. Uh, I think it's clearly Becker because uh, unlike Roger and Nadal, their strengths are similar and they played on the multiple surfaces where uh, the game demanded different skill set. That being said, 25-10, hands down, Becker is better. So the question is, is Becker the greater player? Uh, I always look at tennis as uh, you have to be the standard. Uh, your era is measured and uh, their timelines are kind of... Uh, very 
relative before uh, BS. I mean, BS is in before Sampras, not <laughs> bullshit. So, so there was a time when Courier and Edberg were number one, but uh, the consensus in tennis journalists and the fans all over was Becker was like kind of a stubborn guy who just did not lay claim. It's not his fault. Edberg's fault that, you know, Becker was being stubborn from the baseline. But Becker was the guy who was seen as the force back then. He had a commanding lead over Jim Courier. He pretty much destroyed him in a lot of big matches, only losing one, I think, semifinal in Indianapolis in 91. And, uh, of course, we all know how he measured against Stefan Edberg. And another ma- case I want to make for Becker is, uh, in that era, Becker single-handedly led Germany to two Davis Cup wins. And one was against a star-studded Swedish team in clay in Sweden. So Edberg always had a surrounding cast like Willander, who's as good or if not a better Hall of Famer, Jared, Nystrom, you name it. So Becker was, this is before Michael Steak. So my case is uh, overall Becker, like you said, the trajectory is Becker was more re- relevant till 96. If it wasn't for a wrist injury, who knows that Krychek Wimbledon, Becker would have won because Krychek had done the dirty work of getting Sampras out. So to me, Becker was a solid contender, longer, and uh, his career speaks for it. Numbers are better. 49 titles. Yeah, he did not win on clay, but he had impressive eight finals on clay. And uh, Edberg just, uh, you know, beat Becker in the big, biggest match they played, 89 French Open. Otherwise, Becker would have won a career slam because Chang probably is a, you know, is a very easy match for Becker. He's never taken, you know, Becker to the limits in their head-to-head. You know, if uh, if I was a layperson, I'd be very impressed with that, Sakib. But let's look at this in a little more detail. And I, I think you kind of dug your own uh, grave here with mentioning Rafa and Roger, right? So we know how that rivalry turned out. Uh, Rafa is leading it, uh, I think, 23 to 12. And we always say, but that's not a sign of how much better Rafa is because Rafa won mostly on clay, right? And that also had an impact on their rivalry on other surfaces. Well, let's see. Now, what about Becker and Edberg? 25 and 10? Is that is that the... Uh... You should say uh, 10 and 25 because you were speaking for Edberg. <laughs> so that's, that address seems correct. 13 times out of 25, Becker beat Edberg on carpets. Yeah, carpet was a major surface. And again... Justice uh, Clay is. Again, you forgot Rafa to mention and... Edberg only won, I think, one World Tour Finals, which was seen as a measure of greatness. Because if you discount World Tour Finals, then Sampras becomes a very... You know, not so great player compared to guess, Djokovic. Guess who he beat um, in the final? Yeah, Becker had eight finals. I mean, was Edberg even... Did Edberg even qualify so, 10 years in so a row? So, if we look at the head-to-heads, simply at the head-to-heads, and we use the same argument as uh, as the Rafa-Roger No, we can't, argument. because uh, my point is, Rafa-Roger, the surfaces have been homogenized. One kind of tennis is played, and you see. The courts got, you know, quickened up in Australia and see the result. Djokovic loses to Easterman. I'm not saying it diminishes Djokovic's claim, but this is... These guys played in different conditions. When their games were pretty similar, Edberg was a lot of so volley if, and some serve. Becker was a lot of serve and some volley. If, if, the, if the surfaces have, have not been homogenized in their era, you could argue that Becker was a specialist on one kind of surface where he was much better than Edberg. And when it came to other surfaces, they were actually more than equal. And, and then, I mean, I don't even want to get at this point into the Grand Slam history with each other, where Edberg leads 3-1. to one. Um, but if you think about outside carpets, these are two equal players facing off against each other. And yeah, these... but I mean, then we can even leave Wimbledon, right? Because these, this is also a fast surface. So, and Becker beat Edberg in 96 in Queens. And my, my point is, Becker was far more relevant a contender. Edberg's peak was, I admire Edberg if you look back. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from the guy. But he had a clear game plan. He stuck to his guns. He could rally at the net. Becker was being stubborn battling Agassi from the baseline and Becker was like a confused guy and you know like his fans we both relived 
we have lived that era when Becker left a lot of matches on the table. It's not Edberg's fault. But I'm just saying at their best, that's my measure. That's the argument I use, Safin versus Roddick. If your best is good enough to beat everyone in that period, you are a greater player. When you think of their careers and you say, this is where Becker was as strong as this is his home, we're all thinking of Wimbledon, right? You agree with that? No, look, it's a known fact. I mean, you know, like this is uh, the 2-1 Wimbledon argument is for people who watch tennis maybe five times a year. Of course, everybody knows what happened. Becker's up 3-1 and two service breaks and Edberg wins that match. That's, I mean, that's a nail in the dagger. I'm not escaping Which that Which is route. no different from uh, Rafa being 3-1 in the fifth set and Roger coming back and winning. No, guess, but that's a surface change. No, the, no, the point there is a surface change. I'm, I'm conceding. Edberg won two out of three. There's no... It'll be very... On Becker's best surface. It, it'll be very naive. But I'm just saying, even at the US Open, right? It, it was Edberg's worst slam. Edberg got lucky when Sampras pulled, I think, some abdominal muscle in 92 final. And Edberg wins that. But look at Edberg's track record at US Open. After that, he doesn't even come close winning that. And Becker has his first semi at 86. And then he's in the semi again 10 years later in 95. So there's a guy who was a legit contender. And he played a lot more, a lot less US Opens. He was injured. He didn't play a French Open after 95. He missed 94 French Open. He missed 95 and 96 US Open. So this is a guy, I mean, you know, he was injured. Again, not Edberg's fault. But I think overall, my measure is always... If you are the guy looked upon, no matter what rank your ranking is, if you are seen as a guy, as the most potent threat, again, this is all before Sampras, Edberg was not that guy. Mm-hmm. Edberg won uh, the year in ranking, deservingly. It's not his fault, but I think Becker was still seen as a standard. You can go dig up Nirmal Shaker or BBC, any article. It was all about Becker, why Becker is not the best player in the game. So, so here's the thing. I mean, I, I feel like there's some double standards here. So every time Edberg won a slam, you kind of put an asterisk. No, only 92. 91, he was great. 92, he was great too till Sampras because I was rooting for Sampras that day. And then Sampras called the doctor. And then, you know, after the first hit, it wasn't the same final. It, it was or not. The point is that he beat Sampras. And it was one of Sampras's worst losses, as Sampras yeah, it, himself it, it, said. It, it, of course, it hurt. But the guy was also hurt that day. You can't... I mean, you're a Sampras fan. You should remember that. He wasn't 100%. Ah, so so let's let's go back again to just Sampras, right? So we, I think we both agree. And as even, soon as Sampras took over the sport, right, it, he he became the gold standard that even Edberg and Becker were being measured against towards the end of their careers. You look at their records against Sampras, you would argue Edberg held more more than held his own against Sampras. He, they were they ended their careers at eight six. In the yeah, but, but Sampras. again, it's a trajectory, right? It's a Lendl Agassi thing. Lendl played against Agassi a lot before ninety one. Agassi was a different player after that, and Lendl had back spasms, and the record goes 6-3 or whatever in Lendl's favor. So, same thing. Edberg did play Sampras a lot, I think, when Edberg was relevant. If you look at how many matches they played, I don't even know how many matches have they played after 93 US Open. Edberg's not the same guy. Edberg was losing to Karl Novacek and uh, Bjornas Bjorkman, and, and Jonas Bjorkman totally destroyed him. And as a, a Becker fan, that was one of the most gratifying so matches I've seen. So, so that's, that's, that's another thing I want to point out. So... When you call out their head-to-head record and say it's 25-10, to let's face the facts here. Becker beat Edberg a lot towards the tail end of their careers. He won their last seven matches, right? What's the timeline? I mean, I don't think they played... Post-1992, they played the last seven matches. A lot of those were on carpet, by the way. No, there was only one match in 96 on grass. I think you can go back. They, They didn't play a lot in 95 and 96. Because after 94, that's when Edberg became, I think... uh. Uh, how to say respectfully, a shadow, a pale shadow of, of himself. So I'm looking here right now. And so Sakib and I are t- doing a quick check. And the last seven matches that I was talking about, 
happened after 1992. And I'm saying 94 is a measure, so you can only include the three matches. Four matches. No, uh, 94 you have to include Frankfurt because Edberg was still there. I'm saying Basel, Doha and Queens. That's what Becker won. When did Becker, Edberg lose to Bjortman? When is the match you were talking about when Edberg... 94 US Open. Right. So we are talking around the same time where Becker right, Take one more match away. Still 21 and 10. Knock yourself out, I mean. And, and, <laughs> and, and the point is this. The point is there were phases in their career. And when we talk about overlaps, Becker was the better player towards the tail end of their career. But if you look at the overall record, what they achieved at all the different slams... I mean, Edberg was a more disciplined guy. He stuck to his guns. He was making second week of French Open more than few times when Becker was losing to Rudolf Gilbey and all those guys. But Becker was too busy being at the baseline. Again, I've repeatedly said it's not Edberg's fault, but as an analyst of the sport, a student of the game, you have to see if who's best has a greater impact. It's clearly Becker. Who, Becker was challenging Sampras at his peak on the carpet in 96. Edberg was retired two months ago. That I, I think the longevity argument does not hold necessarily when you talk about peak excellence. And when Becker... Uh, well, of course, extending a peak is great. I mean, again, then... Rogers... But if his peak was not as great as Edberg's, where he was world number one for two years, uh, I, I, I don't know if that peak is uh, valid anymore. I mean, would you then call Becker a greater player than, say, somebody like Bjorn Borg, right? But what is peak? Peak means when he's playing his absolute best. In 91 and 92 or 93, this is a confused version of Becker when Nick, Nick Boletari and a lot of people who went on to coach him said, this is a guy like who's just you know playing the wrong kind of tennis. And again, it's not a defense, but at the same time, you can't call that his peak. His peak is when everybody's firing on their best cylinder, be it Edberg, be it Sampras, even Isevich. And Becker was there. He's a, he's a great big match player. 88 through 90, um, these guys played four times in Grand Slams. Edberg won three out of those four. And that was peak Edberg, that was peak Becker, Edberg won. And the Grand Slam matches matter. I mean, I agree that Becker was a better three-set player, he was a better carpet player, he was the guy who was winning those smaller tournaments, uh, beating Edberg there. When it counted, when it mattered, at their peaks, Edberg was beating Becker. I mean, 3-1 is marginal. I mean, there's, I still don't know, I haven't seen that match live. I mean, that, I think the biggest match that defined this rivalry and Becker would have, it would be no-brainer was at 89 semis when Edberg, you know, to his credit, he won that match and then lost to Chang in the finals. I mean, that's a match I think probably Becker, you know, he should, if look back, you know, this is a match that could have been his ascendance to, you know, the GOAT discussion for, for that generation. Let's use Lendl, you know, who was before Sampras and Federer, the standard of consistency. Becker owned Lendl 5-1 in slams when Lendl was at his peak, Becker was at his peak, and uh, Edberg was at his peak. And Edberg beat Lendl when Lendl was declining. So that's, again, an argument how you measure up against the best player of their generation. And Lendl was clearly that guy. And Edberg wins Australia when McEnroe wasn't there in 85. The field was depleted. So there are a lot of things that, you know, you can also factor in. Let's let's go back to their Becker and Edberg and you look at their careers in parallel. And this is why I think, you know, we're not doing this exercise of Becker versus Lendl, right? I, I agree with what you're saying with the overlaps. I mean, their peaks may have not coincided. This is why we wouldn't compare even Federer and Djokovic in some no, ways. No, but I think it, it, there, there comes a time, you know, in tennis, you play different generations. Like Federer and Djokovic will always make the argument. But there comes a period of year and a half or two years when everybody's close to their peak and you have to just, and, you know, and I would accept that. And if I look at their rankings history, here's how it played out, right? Between 88 and 92... Becker was ranked 5, 4, 2, 2, and 3, and 5. And Edberg was 2, 5, 3, 1, 1, and 2. I mean, Edberg is far consistent. I'm giving you that. But I'm giving you the intangibles who's lived through that era. The peak. Whose best is better than whose best? Clearly Becker. The peak. of How, does they me- how do they measure against Lendl? 
the peak of their capabilities, the five years where you'd say these are two players at their prime playing three state Wimbledon finals, playing in semifinals and uh, finals of various tournaments, and you see one guy winning those crucial matches, winning the five-set matches. I mean, it's not like Lendl and Nadal, or sorry, Nadal and Federer, like where they have played nine matches, three matches. I mean, two break of serves in that, you know, that Wimbledon final. When Becker, according to his record, didn't sleep that night because you know the, the, the point light bulb is, was off. The or point is, you couldn't make the other the other case that Becker's a better player when he actually lost those. No, matches. because I always say, even for Federer and, and Nadal, I always say you play the field. One guy can, you know, in this case, it was not even a matchup. It's just like two close wins for Edberg, and it's a shame they didn't, you know, lock horns at U.S. Open or you know Australian Open or played like eight nine times. And I know Becker was the inconsistent one, but my measure for greatness is always how does your best measure against the field. And how have you performed against a dominant guy? And in this case, Becker comes out flying colors. Lendl was a standard. So here's the other interesting... And Davis Cup. What do you think of Davis Cup? Single-handedly beating Sweden and Clay. I mean, do you have an answer for that? I mean... While this is true, what about the fact that... Edberg was a doubles player? Edberg actually... (laughs) No. Edberg actually beat Sampras in Davis Cup. Edberg beat Sampras in US... What? Give me the year. What year did he beat? Sampras is a different guy before the 92 final. I mean, let's let's get there. Okay, Edberg beat Sampras at the 1993 Australian Open in straight sets. That's a great win. Does Becker have one such win against a Sampras-like player in a Grand Slam? No, Becker played Sampras three times and he got bulldozed. I mean, I, I give you that. But, and I'm but, saying, when you measure up against the best, Edberg held his own, okay, and Becker go, did not. If you want to go for the best, Sampras still not his best till Wimbledon 93. That's when he announced. Sampras, if you remember so that So you're match, saying five months before that, Sampras course, was, uh, jo- was a much lesser player? He and losing in straight Sa- Sampras had trouble playing in the heat like Novak Djokovic, uh, pre-gluten diet, had trouble. And you could see that match, Sampras was struggling clearly. I mean, I have recollection, 7-6-6-4-6-3, right? That's a match you're talking about. How, how I, mean, I was so against Edberg, I also remember all the important matches he played. Edberg was consistent. Austin Open was his best slam. He had Before 1993 Wimbledon, in 1992, Sampras had won, beaten Becker, even his, in their, those two previous matches as well. So Sampras was very clearly the... He, he, was, he was clearly peaking. Yes. Like you would say, like, you know, what is Marat Safin's and best? For he was you, peaking sometimes. For you, the peak is somehow... Not happened at the Australian Open because Edberg beat him, but it started happening at Wimbledon because he won that tournament. I mean, that for me, you have to give credit to the player who beat him at the Australian Open who who stopped him from peaking at that point. He he just happened to peak at Wimbledon because he lost to Edberg at Australian and French Open was I never... Mean, so, so you, uh, as a student of the game, you never realize conditions, right? Sampras had trouble in heat. Sampras sweat. He cramped. So Sampras was struggling in the day heat. Australian Open was a day tournament, if people remember then. And Edberg was classic. I mean, he was doing serve volley. He totally dominated Sampras, who was, again, struggling. He called the trainer. I'm not making excuses, but that's not it Sampras' sounds, It sounds to me like excuses. Here's the reason why. At the end of the day, when you look at great players, and today we're looking at a few, these are players that have played in all conditions, on all surfaces. And what I'm finding... Okay, we disagree. This, this, this generation, uh, there's no all surfaces. No, it's homogenized. Well, well, you know, whether surfaces. it's homogenized or not, I mean, Rafa won nine French Opens. I mean, there is something to say for surface bias. But I, let's come back to Edmund. No, it's and, a bias outside of play. No, there's no one denying Nadal is the greatest ever. To even you know step on so, play, but, but let's go back to Edberg and Becker. My point is, Edberg just doesn't get, give. He's not given enough credit for the fact that he uh, consistently 
beat the top players on all surfaces in all conditions. I mean, that is the true mark of a great player. Not he someone is, he's a great player, no doubt. He's one of the best players. Not someone who goes home and in his backcourt beats up on guys like Becker was doing at Wimbledon. But even there, unfortunately, I would say. Oh, so you you belittling a seventeen year old or eighteen year old beating Ivan Lendl and the likes of you know like Tim Mayotte who were like when Grasco tennis was decided in a flash. Not be little yeah, Becker's career. Yeah, you someone who goes in a backcourt. That's what you say. What I mean to say is, when, when we compare their careers, we're talking of two amazing, great players. When we compare their careers, you have to give credit to Edberg for the fact that he was consistently well, excellent. I'm giving credit, but he's not a greater player. Because to me, the greater players, again, I'm sounding repetitive. I mean, I don't so know, what's your definition, what's your you, definition of peak? Would you put Ivanisevic in the same in the same breath just because he was consistently excellent at Wimbledon nowhere else? I he mean, was a great server. You know, surface allowed him. He's one of the best players. If he hadn't won Wimbledon, one of the best guys to not win Wimbledon. He won Wimbledon. One Sampras would argue, one could argue, Becker was also a great server, which is why he was so successful at Wimbledon, but not, not anywhere else where I he mean, was really struggling. I mean, he won two US Opens at the age of what, 29. He was a better player than Ivan Zivic. Sorry, Open. He, he was a better player than Ivan Zivic, but not better than Edberg, who consistently had a game that would work on any surface. Edberg didn't have a consistent game. Edberg had a clarity of plan, which most great players should. And that's what Rafter did. And it's a pity if Becker was doing serve and volley in some of the hardcore matches, the trajectory would have been even greater. The gap would be greater. That's what I'm saying. Becker was not consistent to be number one, like we talk about Wawrinka. But we also say Wawrinka's peak right now, outside of Wimbledon, is as good as anyone. If Wawrinka is on, he's beaten Novak Djokovic. But can Wawrinka beat Garcia Lopez or you know Dominic Thiem in a best-of-three format? No. The, the train leaves before Wawrinka you know, just gets hot and on a roll. And I think that's the same element in those era for Becker. Becker was at his best when he was at his best. Before Sampras, he was just a tough out for anyone. McEnroe, Lendl. Edberg, of course, Villander, Courier, Mashir, Ivanisevic, Krychek, you name it. Tough, yeah. tough out, yes. And he lost his fair share of matches as well against all of these guys. No, he lost even lower rank guys. That's the problem. Edberg was number one. That's the problem. Everybody on the Becker side was, you know, was complaining or like his stubbornness destroyed him. He was just not a serious enough or disciplined enough guy like Edberg. That's where Edberg scores full points in my book. Edberg got the most out of his game, and he stuck to his game plan. And Becker, at the same time, was just busy battling baseline battles that he had no chance winning against some fine baseline players. So, the, if, if it is a problem of tactics, it's not that these guys had two years of careers and, you know, they couldn't figure this out. Becker played under multiple coaches over a period of 15 years. He had ample time to go change his strategies and get more successful. That's what I'm saying. Stubborn, you're missing the point. He's stubborn. I mean, you can't Stubbornness doesn't make a player, uh, you know, great. Stubbornness Uh, makes people great. You know, when you go for double falls or like second services. Not if you're losing. Not if you're not winning. Look, that's that's a human trajectory. Everybody's made different. I mean, what works for Lendl didn't work for Agassi. So the greater player is the guy who's able to put aside his stubbornness and come up with a plan and find a way to win. No, that's that's not the greater player. Again, you know, greater talent is Nalbandian, but Roddick has one slam. And I you mean, would you would rate Nalbandian over Roddick over their careers? No, uh, no, pure talent Nalbandian. What Roddick got out of the game is Roddick. So, 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 the, so, would we agree on that then? Pure talent Becker, but Edberg was the better player overall. No, Becker is a better player, twenty-five ten, and also greater player. How he measured twenty-five ten with a thirteen-zero ca- ca- carpet record. That's what I mean. Carpet of surface, right? What did Edberg <laughs> win in Masters? I mean, come on. Let's discount everything that Becker has and give Edberg his, you know, Sampras wins when Sampras was calling the doctor. So that's that's how we should leave it.
All right, let the fans decide, or the also not the fans, but the audience. <laughs> I'm getting too big for my boots. And please, whoever is listening, just uh, give in your. And, you know, and I hope all of you Edberg fans appreciate that I've I've had to step out of my comfort zone here and and root for uh, what I, who I think is and all a my, truly great player. Yeah, and all my fellow uh, Twitter friends who are in the Roger Federer camp, I also. I'm not a great fan of Becker the coach, but please discount. Please take this, uh, take those uh, spectacles off, and let's judge Becker the player. Becker the coach is no, uh, nowhere clear uh, near to Edberg the coach. Yeah, I, I just, I think Sakib, the arguments you made, I earned a lot more respect for Rafa as a result because uh, in my mind, I'm seeing a lot of the same parallels. But no, but you're missing the surface point. That's the part you keep missing. That's why Istomin beat Djokovic. Rafa played on surfaces that are tailor-made. To this generation, it's not Federer's fault, it's not Nadal's fault, but it's for the TV audiences. Mark Rosse said, you know, 32 seeds, everything is playing slow. That's what happens. Istomin would not have beaten Djokovic last year. I think this is as much a, an still, issue of Still, okay, surface. last year, Djokovic is still good this year to beat Istomin. So, you think Djokovic is that bad that all of a sudden in a 5 setter he can't I, do I think he showed. Istomin? I think he showed enough of a decline that there's a lot more to that match I mean, than he, just he, the surface and Istomin. He beat Andy Murray in Doha. So, surface matters. Believe me, Anand. I mean, you have to sometimes realize the surfaces have dictated tennis. Federer could play on any surface, but some of these other guys wouldn't make final of Wimbledon I, I like think, they have made I in, think in the previous generation. If surfaces do matter, then Becker's skewed, skewed record on carpets, I think, is a huge factor in that rivalry. I mean, that is what it is. On the other surfaces, it's quite clear they were equal. And, I mean, you can't even deny that in, in terms of the head-to-head record outside carpet. It's not skewed. Carpet was supposed to be low bounced. Show me any carpet that was bouncing high. I mean, that's no, how and, carpet No, and so was. it happened. It, it was a carpet specialist. And we know this. We know Becker was even challenged Sampras on carpets. He challenged, I mean, he was arguably the best indoor player of his era. And we know this. So I'm not even denying the fact that uh, Boris Becker um, was that supreme player, but... You, you still don't have an answer for his 96 win when Edberg was, you know, retiring in five months. You still don't have an answer for Becker winning Davis that, Cup in Sweden, so clay court then, I that, mean, single-handedly. Yeah, that, that would make Agassi a greater player than Sampras. That would make um, John McEnroe a greater player than Bjorn Borg. I mean, just, how would that, I mean, how, how would just that because make... people win at 34, 35 when the other guy is retiring or declining does not make them a better player. I think you and I both... So why didn't you say, why did you say that this is Federer's greatest win on the phone because he's winning at 35? So longevity works for Federer, but it works against Becker because there's a case to be made that he's more relevant than Edberg? No, it's not. And I am I'm saying that Ed Federer has been consistently excellent all the way to the point no, he of was, but, but, but again, for Federer, the barometer was, will he win again? So after four and a half years, he wins a slam at there 35. There are a lot becomes, more variables. No, and but it becomes his greatest win. That's what everybody's saying. He beats his nemesis. He he wins after six months. I, I, I think we're digressing only because I say that. Because no, because you are, don't have an answer. That's no, why I, do, I, I do. You keep I, other guys in. I don't want to bring those guys in. You don't have an answer for Davis Cup. You don't have an answer for 96 Australia. I, do, I think the point I'm trying to make is it's not fair to compare a 96 Becker against a 96 Edberg. Right? Why not? I mean, because they're contemporaries. In, because in your own words, you said you want to compare their peaks and really understand no, but, who was a better player. No, but if a guy's peak is extended, you don't win Grand Slam. Of course, Agassi and Sampras lost. I'll be the first one to say Chang and Philip Usa did, did a big favor and Agassi in his own book admitted he tanked because he think he could not have beaten Becker so he lost to Chang. So I'm still giving, you know, those disclaimers in. But still, it takes I'll give you that. To I'll actually, stand. you know what? I'll even concede that. Towards the tail end of their careers, Becker was a better player. It, it, it showed in the, the head-to-head records. It showed in how Becker performed against the rest of the field. At their peaks, 
and what Edberg achieved over that five-year peak, Becker could not. No, okay, I never said that. Edberg was far more consistent against the field. That's why he was number one. I'll give him that and I'll give you that. But my point is, you and me lived through that era. We don't need Google. We don't need Wikipedia. It was a consensus. When Becker was firing on all cylinders, he was the best player till Sampras came along. And there is, you can't, you can't find an alternate argument. That, that's what I'm saying. They both sucked on clay. They, Becker did three finals in total, eight finals, uh, three semis in Roland Garros. And Edberg made one final in Roland Garros in three or four quarters. So they were like, you know, Edberg even snuck a clay, clay title, I think, in Hamburg or somewhere. But Becker was far more dominant in clay too. He just reached more finals but didn't have anything to show for it. So that's my point. Edberg had Australia. Becker had the fall. They both were at Wimbledon. So Edberg's consistency is number one. But if you go... So and, consistency is not a bad trait. It's not. Consistency it, shows actually that he's it, winning. Of course. But it's not the peak. The peak is, you know, when we talk about who's who. You know, at like their at, peak, at their best. At, talk, their, at their best, Edberg beat Becker th- 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 two times out of three I, on Becker's best surface. And for me, that is peak tennis. Go and check the stats. How bad Becker was playing in the Wimbledon final if you want to redefine peak. Unfortunately, this is no, the no, problem. Then, no, you're talking so, about peak. Well, that's he, what you're talking about, right? You don't have an answer. He could not show up. I mean, I cannot... So every time we come up with a Nedberg win, if you have an excuse, the other guy was playing badly and seems to be a trend. Yeah, and Becker had to beat the best player in the world in two great semis. Becker played a Saturday semi-final one day on, in, in 88, the final, and Edberg got Mashir. And Edberg was beating a fading Mac and Rosa. The, prob- so the problem is that we, we start offering up excuses. It's and not, not looking at I mean, results, have, not looking at you, who won. Look, you have the easy way out. I'm giving you the number one, but I'm telling you consistency is okay. Then uh, I don't want to bring other argument. When we did episode six or seven, congratulating Andy Murray, I clearly said there are two elements. One is who is the best player in the game? It's still Djokovic because you can't undermine what he's done over the last three, four years. His best is better than anybody's best. But when Djokovic took a hiatus, who racked up the points? I give Andy Murray the credit, but did I ever say Andy is better than Novak? Same thing. Edberg was consistent enough. No, 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 listen to me. Edberg was consistent enough to beat all the guys that were in the draw. Not his fault. While Becker was busy, you know, serving double faults or exchanging forehands with Agassi or even Richie Renneberg and Patrick McEnroe and all those losses. But at their best, against the field, including Lendl as a standard in the four or five years before Sampras, is clearly Becker, and I think and, uh, let let people speak after that. Right, and, I, and my only counter argument to that is when you call it a hiatus, Becker was taking a hiatus in the middle of a Becker Edberg match at Wimbledon. For me, that is inexcusable. That's not an excuse. He just didn't show up. He didn't have the mental strength, or what? What happened? I don't know. He was cutting his hair. That's, whatever yeah, he was that's doing. Against, that's against Lendl, first of all. What, what, whatever so he was again, doing. Whatever again, he was doing. Failed argument. That was against Lendl. Idiot semis. Not against Edberg. No, no. I'm talking about the fact no, that he, lo- the, he lost he, the first two sets. Of, okay, you're mixing on it. No, now. no, I'm not mixing. I'm first let, two sets is 90. Cutting hair is 88 semis. No, I, what I'm play. saying is I was the cutting hair was just a flippant remark saying whatever he's up to in his personal life, whatever he's going through, if he did not show up for a match in in his peak of his career, and we are not talking of any any podunk match here. We're talking about the Wimbledon final. For crying out loud, if you don't show up for the first two sets, I'm not going to rate you higher than the other player. And I'm not going to make it an excuse. That's the lamest argument I've ever heard you make. You've made quite a... <laughs> no, I mean... Uh, come on. I mean, you miss, you you mix records there, I think. I'm know. not mixing records. There's three Wimbledon did. finals. No, no, get two your, one by Edberg. Get your story together first. I mean, come on. He showed up. He also won two finals. That offsets it. I'm giving Edberg the win. 6-4, right? So then he, after showing, not showing up or being flat, sometime it happens, he wins the next two sets. So what? So then I could make the same argument. Edberg was flat for the next two sets. I mean, how, how do you... So my but point I'm, is... Am I, am I dis, uh, discounting the Edberg uh, win? I'm saying no. I'm talking about the obvious thing that the stats don't tell. 
who was the greater player so that generation. Becker was the greater player in the loss that he had to wear. Becker was a greater player in the generation. I mean, you keep beating on the point. Yeah, he won two out of three Wimbledon finals. That was finals. his best surface. That, it was. It, he built his whole was. career yeah, on Wimbledon. Seven finals. I mean, yeah, Edberg just showed up for those three. Then what do you have to say against that? He, he Edberg lost to Courier. I mean, such a grass court exponent, right? In 93. What do you say about that? In fact, I would argue that actually even speaks to Becker's certain mental failings. He showed up for these finals, lost to Michael Steak. I mean, that's the kind of match that you wouldn't see. Yeah, and Edberg lost to Michael Steak without even getting his serve broken. So, I mean, you can go back and forth. I mean, come on. Seven finals, then three finals is superior. Two finals, two wins against one is superior. I give you that. Two number ones, I give you that. But I'm not even talking these things. But this is someone... Who doesn't know Becker, Edberg and Google? We lived that era. I'm talking about there were articles. There was always concern why Becker is not the best player. Nobody said why Edberg is not the best player up till he became number one. Because he's never seen as the best player. Because I think Becker did not live up to his full potential. I'll give you that. That I much. agree. That and, I agree. And therefore, Edberg did. And therefore, Edberg possibly had the better career overall. No, I think people can decide. We're we being repetitive. But I mean, to me, it's clearly better and greater is Becker. Because there's a lot... Beyond the stats, you have to live the era, and I rest my case. All right. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed what was obviously a very contentious discussion on Becker and Edberg. Um, yeah, Anand's going to still make me tea. We're going to be still friends after this. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, we, we both are huge, huge Becker fans, even if it doesn't come across that way. Whew. All right, so we shook hands and everything's cool after we needed it, like a 10-minute break. So yeah, see you guys and talk to you soon in episode 19. Bye now. Bye.